All right, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. I am your host, Byron Horton, but I have the man, the myth, the legend, David Ebright on the line. What's going on, Dave? Not much. What's up with you? Oh, just trying to get all these cams out before this baby comes. Yeah, that's true. You're getting close now, huh? Under a month. Is that what it is? Under a month? Under a month, dude. So any day. But let's get to the topic of hand. Uh, we need the rant of the day. That's what the oh, people right want to hear. <laughs> rant of the day right off the bat. Okay. So my rant of the day is on saving ounces. I think people would do way too much pound saving and trying to save on weight in their packs, and it becomes almost more important than even just getting out there and hunting. You, If you can't carry, you know, 40 pounds on your back going in a mile or whatever and then hunting and then carry it back out, how the hell are you ever going to get a deer out of the woods? You know, that's it just doesn't make any sense to me that the people – just focus so much on saving and cutting weight and saving ounces. It's almost like more than they care about killing a deer. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, if you, if you're hunting eight, nine days in a row, you know, it, it gets heavy on you, but you know what, when it comes down to it, you know, we hunted for how long with 30 pound climbers and it's just is what it is. And I learned the most stuff about deer hunting. I ever did hugging a 33 pound climber on my back for, five years you know so man up quit being a bitch and just put that 50 pound pack on your back and if that's what it takes to have you your gear comfortably and you know that's it's it's a comfortable system of climbing and hunting out of then do that quit being so damn worried about saving ounces when you're whitetail hunting it just makes no sense to me all right rant of the day we are done so Dave and I were doing some texting, talking hunting, uh, like we normally do. And uh, we got to, to talking a little bit about hunting from the ground. <clears throat> and I said, stop right here. We're going to save it for the podcast. Um, but, you know, that was something that we, oh, we have dabbled in a lot. I feel like the two years ago when we were going out of state on new pieces, we did a little more of. Um, and you just said, dude, I need to get back to hunting on the ground more. What, what, what kind of stirred that thought? I just, um, you know, when it is sometimes when you go out there and you hunt, you, you get up in a tree, you know, so you just feel so like locked in and, you know, you almost feel like committed because at that point you've already, you know, lugged in all that stuff and you've hung a stand and everything and you're like stuck there. And, and I just, sometimes that, that bothers me. And then I end up not getting down. I end up just like riding it out and I'm just never happy about it. And I just would rather just be down on the ground and, and being mobile and, and being able to go check shit out. And if I, you know, you know, the whole scouting in season, you know, we've been working on that kind of the last few years ourselves. Yeah. And if you're just doing a lot more ground hunting, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you're kind of scouting, you're kind of still hunting. Um, and it just, you know, seems, it seems appealing to me. You know, you can find the freshest sign that way and just sit right on top of it. Um, yeah, I think, um, I can remember last year, um, and I, I'm somebody that I feel ha I have a pretty good, like still hunting game. Like I, I I'll still, dude, I've, I've almost killed a couple turkeys still hunting. In yeah. fact, I could have killed a, you know, it was a hen this year, but I was still hunting and she like literally walked through two 30 yard lanes. Had no <laughs> idea. You know, I, I had her dead to rights on the bead 
Um, and then I obviously lowered the gun once I realized it at hand. But um, I can remember now this year was a little different because I got on a buck and I had enough pins in the area to kind of hunt him. But I can remember, especially like late-ish October, those like drizzly or like a little more windy days when you, you know, there's a huge advantage to being on the ground. And, and obviously I was a little more locked in on a particular buck and, and I was a little frustrated not being able to go hunt on the ground, you know, cause like you said, you, when you hunt on the ground, you are literally scouting until there is a reason to stop. Yeah. And yeah, or you just start jumping deer, you know, and, you know, and even then jumping deer, you know, then you at least learn something about it. You know, where some deer, you know, bed up at, and you can always try the, the old infamous uh, bump and dump, you know, if you're, we're happen to stumble across a buck, a buck like that, you know, yeah. I'd probably set up back there the next day if I were to jump a buck. Yeah. I mean, we, um, yeah. I, and, and I think, I think too, that, that, you know, being on the ground, um, I think it, it's got to play to your skill set. If you tend to say have encounters where you can spot that deer and say, Oh, we'll call it 60 to a hundred yards um, out. Right. And you spot them first. Uh, with stand sticks on your back or maybe you're scouting pulling a camera you know that deer then works to say 35 30 yards and is killable like you should hunt on the ground zoe for example zoe should not hunt on the ground he can't see a deer to save his life you know he's <laughs> you, you, you know look at your skill set you know as far as as hunting is concerned if you can spot those deer if you tend to see them before they see you like that's i feel like that's a, a real key aspect um, to hunting on the ground and to still hunting. If you're, you're somebody that's patient enough to do the little, like, dude, I'll take a step and stand for a minute. I'll take two to three steps and stand for, for 10 seconds. You know, you kind of have to have, oh, a little bit of woodsmanship, rhythm, like understanding when you can move fast, when maybe you should really tiptoe. Yeah. And then, so are you talking more like open timber and like, or like feel like stuff where you can see, or would you rather do the ground game like in the thicker stuff? So I, last year, last year I did some thicker stuff, but like even, you know, if you look at Indiana, because I spent the most amount of time on the ground there, it was more big timber. And I was moving quickly over areas of, of limited deer sign. But like, even then, like if I'm, if I'm walking through open timber, I will still do the, the one step stand for 10, 20 seconds two to three steps. I actually do a lot of like three and two steps and then standing for, for 10, 20, 30 seconds. And then if I do, you know, if I get down in a dip, I, I will make a move or if it's windier and I can get away with more, I will move more. Yeah. That's the big thing. You do need, you do need, um, good conditions. I'd say. Yeah. I mean, we tried the, the, the this is something for kind of the listeners. We tried that Eberhart corn sneaking, a couple years back and I think it was like seven or eight miles an hour windy and like in this like I guess it probably true depends on the cornfield but like if it's like a lower cornfield we said we we would have rather had wind conditions somewhere around 10. Yeah something a little bit more because um, we we felt real loud. Yeah um because that's something like I, I think I'd, I'd still uh potentially try is is, is you know, who cares? Blow out some of that standing corn. If, if, yeah, you push them into the woods potentially. Yeah. And, and look at, um, in standing corn, you get those muddy like tracks. You can really see tracks really well, especially in and around, you know, the yeah. standing corn rows. 
Yeah, no, we didn't. No, we didn't see anything when we did that, but um, but I could see it. I could see it potentially working. It'd be a good midday strategy and stuff like that too. You know, especially in the early season when you're kind of looking to kill some of that midday time in between your morning and evening hunt. You know, doing the cornfield thing on the ground. We definitely need to. We definitely need to try doing that some more. That does seem interesting. Plus, it's fun. I mean, hunting on the ground is a lot funner. You know, you're not just restricted and just bored in a stand you know you're you're, you're doing stuff doing. you're out moving you're learning the terrain you're you're learning you're you're learning about deer you're finding tracks you're finding sign you're putting some of these puzzle pieces together i mean if you were to hunt like say a piece on the ground for the majority of the year imagine how much intel you'd have you know for the following year you know even yeah, if it's like if like, you're if you're like yeah. learning a piece it's almost really beneficial yeah. to use some of your hunting season when you're going to be gone from your family you're going to be down there to do some in-season like hunting from the ground because you're going to get scouting in while you're doing that yeah i mean you'd find you know all the bedding areas because you're going to jump deer you know you you're going to find beds you're going to jump deer you're going to find tracks and poop and stuff so you're going to find all these insanely you know good hot spots and then you can potentially you know, tree stand hunt it either later in the year or the next year, you know, but if you spent like one whole season strictly on the ground, I mean, you, you, you'd figure some pieces out really well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I remember I hunted on the ground, um, this year, either the first or second weekend in October, I think it was the second weekend and I got really frustrated. Be well, actually, no, I take that back. It was the first weekend in October. I didn't have a lead on a buck. And I had the green light from the wife. So I actually went to this piece midday, farm country. And uh, all I did was walk. Did I carry a bow? Yes, I carried a bow. And I had a pack. And I jumped two solo-ish deer in, in, in oh, kind of oh, bedding areas, obviously. But CRP, small trees, old pasture. One was off a of bluff point. But I never saw the deer. I just kind of saw, like, an outline and like running CRP grass splitting. Right. So yeah. I, I was so frustrated. One, I ran after it because I was like, dude, if I just see a rack, you know, sticking up, I at least can confirm it was a buck. And I actually, I called Cody or I texted him that week. And I was like, dude, like I'm, I'm not going to go like, I can't even try and bump and dump because dude, this could have been does that could have been four points. Like, yeah, you know, I just didn't have the confidence to be like, Oh, that was definitely, you know, a shooter. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is true, you know, and you got to be moving slow to be able to, you know, you got to, it's got to be a soft bump in order to be able to see what it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows how many you jump that you don't even ever see or hear, because they'll slip out on you, you know, that they'll, they'll sneak away. I've seen it. I've seen them do it before. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen them let you walk by them and, and turn around and scoot out. And... Oh, yeah, they, yeah, that's, that's pretty popular there. Um. um yeah, but yeah, then another thing with the ground – so with the ground stuff, there's some – so let's get back into that, like the, the logistics of it. So, like, you're poking along there, you know, and you find some good sign, you know, and say you want to just stop and, and sit there. You're like, okay, I kind of like this. There's some trails converging here. I'm just going to sit here till dark. Um, <laughs> that's where – I always have the problems there because you cannot get comfortable on the ground. You know, how do you sit? You, you can't sit. Suddenly, what do you do? Just stand? But then you, like, stand, like, behind the tree from where you expect a deer to come. You're so, probably, you're, like, constantly, you're probably... like, peeking around it, you know, like, yeah, over and yeah. over. Like, there's, there's some logistics when it comes to, like, actually hunting from the ground. 
and, and then, then, then the shot, you know, shooting one is even 10 times harder. You know, yeah, once, like, once you your, finally have your, a deer come in. Your bow's like generally sitting on the toe of your boot or whatever the cam is. If you're standing, yeah. Yeah, because like, so it's like you got to pull it up and then draw. So like you got two big, big motions, if you will. Yeah, um, and then you can try to get behind the tree, like I said, you know, and then kind of draw and then step out and shoot. But like, then you're like, you're constantly just peeking, you know. Uh-huh. feel like you're not moving so much and then yeah. if you, you you can't sit down because then you can't shoot i mean you can't, you can't shoot see. sitting on your ass yeah it's like turkey hunting you, you, in turkey I, I get so frustrated turkey hunting because i'm like i can't see shit yeah yeah exactly yeah and you can't see as much and then you can kind of like i guess you could kind of like sit on your knees or like take a take a knee mm-hmm. or um you can do like a little like girly pose where your legs are kind of off to the side you know like, yeah, like sitting on your hip you know yeah <laughs> but uh i don't know it's just kind of like there's no there's no comfortable way to to do that so we and i had the encounter last year on the ground when me and peyton were hunting mm-hmm. and so i was let me think how i was sitting um i think i was sitting on my butt in the and then um environment do what I said it was like a timber woodsy type environment with a creek. Yeah, yeah, open woods basically, yeah. And I was just taking her out there to try to see some deer, you know, which we did. And um, these uh, three does were coming straight at us too. And so then it's like, then you can't move, you know. If if I were to do it again, I wasn't fully preparing to hunt, to, 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 to shoot something that day. I was just kind of just like trying to take, you know, my six-year-old daughter out in the woods. Yeah. Um, but I would have probably tried to find some more brush for like a makeshift ground blind, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, so then what happened was, so I tried to, I ended up like, I think I sit on my boat with my feet out. I think I like bent my knees and kind of curled my feet kind of back up underneath my butt a little bit. And then I, I went to draw and my elbow kept hitting the tree that we were sitting up against. And so as, so as my elbow was like hitting the tree, so I'm like kind of nudging forward, trying to get so I could get clearance. And they saw some of that movement and they booked out of there. And then I knocked the camera off the tripod and it was just, it was, nose died. it was bad. Yeah, it was, yeah, I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Now, do you think if you were standing, you, you could have pulled the shot off? Uh, but I would have been standing like behind the tree. And then that way they, so they didn't just see me just standing there. Now I had a, and now this was totally different. I was still hunting in Indiana and I was, I, I had jumped a buck. I had jumped like two or three deer that day. And I came across a, a thicket, a bedding area. And uh, I, I was like, well, this looks pretty good. I'm going to stand here for a minute. I actually hung my bow up. I had a bow hook with me. Thank God. And uh, I'm sitting there eating a, eating a PB and J and I hear a, or I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a grunt. That could be another hunter. I'm not really sure. <laughs> and I kind of hear another, like a couple minutes later, I'm like, all right, like I'll at least let, let me grab this bow. Like I kind of obviously like this is not a, a typical, like it was in my favor at this point. And I turn around and here's a doe and behind her is a hundred inch buck, you know, right up her butt and then bounding in. I'll never forget it, man. He like jumped over this log, probably 130, like, and he like lands on the ground and I'm like, shooter. Like I just seen a 105 incher and this deer is significantly bigger. 
Yeah. So I draw and, and like, I remember he's looking at me and he's looking at this doe and obviously this buck is beating him to this doe. And I was like, dude, like that's front shoulder set up. I, I, I did rush it. I did feel very rushed during the shot and, and I hit that deer and that's, that's probably my best blood trail of all time. And we never found him. Search for yeah. two days, never found him. I should have drove out there and helped you guys with that. Yeah. But you were like, no, stay there and hunt. And I was just like, oh, I can just drive out there and help. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, that was a still hunting thing just because I didn't know the piece and I was just looking, you know, to, to go on a mission. And, and, and that same piece, the weekend before, I passed a 115-incher that literally walked through a lane at 25 yards and it was perfect because I had a bunch of cover. Again, I was, I was walking and I was doing my little two-step stand, two-step stand. And I saw him at like 40. And then he angled to me and crossed me at 25. And I remember he stepped through a lane and looked right at me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I had actually drawn. And I was like, ah, he's not big enough. He was like 115-ish, like 5, 10 inches bigger. If he had just been like massive or wide, I'd have been like, yes, full scent. Yeah. Uh, but, again, it was just uh, – I think you got to be patient when you still hunt. Um, you know, you're not, uh, you get to an area that, that you consider good and then it's a real slowdown type game, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. Um, I normally always have like a destination in mind too, you know, and it's kind of just like, I'll stop if I see something better. Yeah. Um, or occasionally, yeah, I, I've gone in areas where it's just completely blind, you know, and like I said, and I mean, I, I'm, I'll like, I'll cover some ground too at times, like real quick. Okay. Like, if I can eliminate an area, like, real quickly and I kind of look around saying, like, okay, I'm not really seeing the habitat, I'm not really seeing what I want to see, you know, I'll just I'll, – I'll book it, you know. And then, like you said, slow down occasionally when you, when you see something good. Yeah. I think what we should talk about, too, is, like, if you're hunting from the ground, you have no setup time and you have no time really, like, you know, after an evening hunt, if you pack standing sticks, I don't care who you are. It's 30 minutes to get your bag back organized, get everything on your back. We film. So, okay, maybe you can do it in 15. Um, but you can literally go, it's dark, boom, walk into the truck. Here we go. Yeah, that saves a lot, a lot of time, you know. You're, you're home a lot uh, earlier. And, yeah, that is that is true there, too. Um, and then another thing with, with on the ground is – it's hard to get drawn and stuff without them seeing you. Right. The encounter necessarily is hard to create. It's that, that, that getting to draw. Yeah. Well, you got to draw on two bucks in Indiana. You're just saying. Yeah. One was a perfect, I had a big screen of cover or a big tree. I, he, you know, and then the other dude, he's chasing a doe. Like he's, you know, like that was, I don't consider that a skillful getting a draw off dude. I had a hot doe run by me and he was in tow. Like, you know, And if you if you if you start to find something that looks pretty good, or and you kind of decide to to uh, stop in this in an area and kind of hang out, um, I've I've grabbed like uh, like branches that still got like leaves on them, or like de- you know like dead leaves on them, like a limb fall off a tree or something like that, and just kind of drag it over there and, and use it for like a little bit of makeshift cover, you know. Yeah, I feel like I've the crossbow that. hunter has a huge advantage for this kind of tactic or style because oh, you, know, yeah. you and I have crossbow hunted, you know, kind of getting into hunting and mm-hmm. you could sit at the base of a tree and pull off because you just have to essentially get that thing in line with vitals versus a big drawing motion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, 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 let's go get some crossbows then. 
<laughs> I, I don't have the desire, man. Get a couple of those uh, ravens and just start slaying deer. Missiles, dude. <laughs> this thing shoot like four, like over four hundred, right? Dude, there are guys that that can shoot them crossbows better than dudes can shoot thirty thirties. Because you don't have the recoil on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you know, and you, that thing shoot like fifty, sixty yards flat. I mean, and they're real narrow. Those ravens are, are slick, man. They're real, like, narrow. They're almost just literally like a gun. Just, like, maybe they're only, like, seven, eight inches wide. Yeah, I think Joe Rogan has a no funny comment man. about crossbows. He goes, it's just a really bad gun. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it pretty much is. <laughs> and we don't have a um, – I think some states have, like, crossbow seasons that are separated. Yeah, I think from, uh, New York does. Okay. Where, like, yeah, regular yeah. archery comes in, and I don't know, though, yeah. but – I wouldn't be upset if they did that throughout other states. Oh, yeah. I definitely think it's a huge advantage. Yeah. and it's Maybe it, not it, with our crossbows, like our old Hortons that just lobbed arrows, but <laughs> yeah, like a good crossbow. <laughs> Dude, I, I, had an old, I had an old crossbow that we were – Corey and I were probably like 18 years old, you know. We put it at a 45-degree angle, and it, uh, we, were, we were in this big field, and we're like, let's see how far this thing goes. We measured it out roughly 260 yards, 45-degree angle. We just let it rip, and we found the bolt. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah. yeah. We'll, just start hunting crossbows. we'll just be the White Oak Experience crossbow hunter <laughs> and just be out there just slaying deer. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. Um, what – I mean, as far as, as hunting from the ground, um, you know, in looking at 2020 – it's definitely something like I think I'm definitely going to incorporate, um, especially if I don't have a lead on a buck. Like, it's like I almost don't even think uh, – I don't know about that. You can see a lot from a tree. But, like, there is a lot of value to still hunting slash, you know, being on the ground until you have something. That, you know, generally we're rut killers, which is totally different. Um, but, you know, like if it's like October 15th, we definitely should still be hunting on the ground. Maybe you find some of those better scrapes in an area and then, then you kill a deer on like October, you know, 17 to 18, a couple of days later. Um, well, and I'm, inter- I'm actually really interested in doing it during the rut because then you can like, you know, you got stuff running around you can hear them. You can find the activity almost, you know, you're not just stuck to one, one pinch, you know, or one funnel. You're like, you know, and you're just like waiting, like you know, you can actually like go find where the hot action's at, because you know it's somewhere. I mean, that time of year, there's there's a hot doe, or multiple, you know, a few hot does somewhere in those woods. Yeah, you know, I mean, you might be sitting in a spot where it's just not hot. You got you got a hot doe 500 yards away, and you just you know you're just sitting there on a pinch, and you just you'll you'll never see anything. And if you were just on the ground, you could find where the action's at. Yeah, but if he Maybe does come through the pinch, understanding you got that ambush advantage. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I, I think I might try it in the rut one day if we get a one good, um, at least. I hunted actually. You know, I hunted the rut this year. I was here, and I think it was like November third. Remember, it rained, and uh, I didn't get out to the woods till about nine ten a.m. And I was I was hunting like real like I was hunting a farm country. And I'd hunted in a tree stand one stick high and I moved and I was like probably 80, a hundred yards away. Cause I found some scrapes and I was going back cause I left my strap and I'm walking back to get my strap. And I just look over in about 15 yards. Here's a, here's a buck raking this tree. And I dropped to my knees, man. I'm like, Oh, I'm inside of 15 yards from this deer. And I think I get to about 10 from him. 
and he's raking this tree. He has no idea I'm there. Uh, <laughs> true, it ended up being like probably like a 90 inch buck with like four or five points on one side and like a two point on the other. He was kind of a cool deer. Yeah. Um, but dude, what if that would have been a, a shooter? Yeah, exactly. I think you know? they're 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 doing more stuff that time of year. They're they're scraping, they're they're rubbing, and then they're you know just just moving around chasing does and stuff. Even if you got like a like a four pointer or something like that, dog in the doe, you know that you just kind of stumble across because you're you know you're just on the ground moving in the rut. Um, so that doe is hot, you know, like yeah. you know that other bucks going to be coming. Yeah. You know, one thing I hunted um, a couple years ago, I had uh, I had a spike chase a hot doe, um, you know, first thing in the morning. And I ended up seeing like eight different bucks that day, all yeah. on that same trail, yeah. just for the next like four hours. Nice. That's the same day that that other guy killed the Grabby buck fatty. I was in there after. Grabby fatty? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think, Dave, you got to have a sizable piece, I feel like, to do some of this ground hunting? Like, if you took a, a smaller piece, um, I don't think a walking game is necessarily, like, the best. Obviously, if it's an after-work hunt and you only got 30 minutes, sure. You can go to a small piece. Might as well still hunt it out. Um, but, you know, I think the rut-type hunting, the, the whitetail adrenaline style, right? Yeah. I got to believe they're doing some – not I won't call it big pieces, but they're not doing small. I don't know, maybe, you know, you might just find the the small, you know, spots within the spot thing, you know. Like in a small piece, you can figure out a small piece a lot easier, I think, you know, because you can just find like the like two good spots. Okay. You know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, probably. Or at least areas that are there's other other uh pieces within like driving distance you know now, you go and check out one piece you don't like it go somewhere else see and then i know with them guys white tail adrenaline guys they um they they were they were needing more like deer footage and stuff and they found that hunting on the ground they were seeing more deer and yeah. so they were getting more deer footage for you know for their dvds obviously and um then they started to see more deer and they were like look maybe we'll just do this all the time and then I don't know if you remember the first few years of them hunting on the ground. They did not get very many bucks down. They didn't kill. They had deer footage, but they didn't kill. They had the footage. They had the encounters, but because it's, it's it's so much harder to pull it off, you know, to get the shot off. I think they had a couple, um, like a handful of missed bucks, maybe a couple wounded, you know, and um, but that's that's ground hunting. It's tough, you know. You, you, how do you get drawn? You know, it's yeah. I think it's significantly know. tougher with two guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're toting around that, that huge rig, too. Yeah, because I think deer, like, a deer really associate the shoulder headline with, with, with yeah. people, with people danger, right? So yeah. now you have two objects that are shoulder heads bobbing and weaving through, through the timber. Yeah. At least, like, you know, if you're solo, man, you know, you could be um, – a lot of my encounters are coming when I'm either standing or I've gotten into the area and I'm not moving very fast at all. And so like, I'm just like a bean, you know, a bean pole. I'm a single object. Um, yeah. but like if you well, I do the same thing, like, too. Say, say that again, I do. I like you said with the shoulders and head thing, I, that is definitely, I think I've heard or read that, but that is like a thing. Yeah. And they like, and I've, I'll like you said earlier, when you jump the, that deer, you get down, you know, you instantly hit the deck. Yeah. And, and I try to like hunch my head down, you know, I kind of try to eliminate that 
shoulder head look, you know? Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it works, but well, I, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the main reasons I paint my face is like, if they see your, your, your face and they can pick it off your shoulders, like that's just, you know, you're, you, they, they, they do, they associate that whole, that, that head shoulder thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyways, like getting back to, to, to hunting from the ground, the other thing I wanted to talk about with you is I, I thoroughly enjoy like late muzzleloader season um, still hunting and, and, and yeah. staying on the ground. Like I don't, unless I really know something, I think that's, that's a preferred method. Yeah. And just try, you try to jump shoot them. Yeah, dude. Cause like even you with the bow, uh, I think it was two years ago, you were hunting a, a piece of public that we didn't have the most experience on. And, uh, you went into like a, a piece and you said you jumped a doe. She ran out there 30, 40 yards. And I think you, you misjudged the distance. So the arrow didn't connect, but it was like, she ran 30 and like turned and looked at you. Yeah. That's what they always do a lot of times. And at least, well, yeah, sometimes, sometimes they don't, I guess, but yeah, but yeah they do that though. They do that a lot. You know, and I mean, that, that can be definitely, that can definitely work out in your favor on the ground. Cause yeah, you're, you're going to bump some deer and they don't know what it is. You know, deer get jumped all the time you know whether it's from squirrel blasters or just like you know a squirrel you know there could be like a squirrel fight that just like freaks them out and jumps the deer up real quick you know like they, they don't know they don't 100 know what you are every time you jump them yeah. you know like so how you had that squirrel that was screwing you up um a couple years ago on your buck he said <laughs> sabotaged i i think that buck <laughs> thought it was either another deer or wasn't 100 percent sure and i was not in a squirrel type habitat and, and and literally the buck got on edge and was looking for what was making the noise and it was a squirrel probably 10 yards behind my tree jumping you know spot to spot yeah and he's looking at you and you were kind of low too you weren't even very high that day yeah it was total sabotage and i <laughs> i had not seen a squirrel all day you know <laughs> And here comes yeah, a shooter at, at 15, 20 yards or whatever, and this squirrel appears out of nowhere. No hickory nuts to be found. Why is he there? Why is he in a thicket? <laughs> Why is he in a thicket? Uh, um, oh, there was something I was going to – oh, we, we've done some hunts um, and really just been more on our way to still um, – to a stand. And um, when conditions are like swirly winds or like winds are high – my buddy Larry talks about it. Them deer in, in hill country, sometimes they're not, they, they may wind you and they have no idea where you are because everything's going like, you know, all over these bowls and up and over valleys because they, it's gusty or it's real high and it's not normal uh, protocol, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah we, and we've had deer literally running at us. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing. Now you bring that up uh, about the scent thing. I guess that would probably be a huge disadvantage to being on the ground though, is because, you know, I think that, you know, I think when you're higher that sometimes that scent kind of carries up, you know, over their heads potentially. You can get away with uh, some, like. Yeah, I think you can get away a little bit more when you're, when you're high. So, yeah. I mean, being on the ground like that, I think you're going to really be hurting from a, uh, from a, from a, from a scent uh, standpoint, you know, you definitely would need to make sure you're staying nose to nose to the wind. Yeah. At the same time, though, you could almost shift with, uh, like, if you were hunting trail A, right, and it's uh, later in the day, um, let's call it mid-afternoon, right, and and thermals are still rising, you're above that trail, right? You, you're you know, going to ambush point. And then that last hour, 45 minutes, boom, that, that sun crests and everything's going downhill. 
now on the ground you could you could either you know move move and get below that trail and still account for those thermals um and get a crack you know i do see where you could play the wind almost you know on on a 15 minute window you know it changes every 15 minutes oh i'm going to shift a bit i'm, I'm going to play this wind now that i've i've, I've, I've and move you mean like like you're talking like so and then that's nothing because if you got a buck who's like betting high and um and and try and say he goes downhill at night to feed you know to wherever their your food source is yeah. those bucks are really hard to kill because you got the thermals rising the the whole day so you can't really get in there and hunt because their thermals going to rise to him or if you think if you think bucks are been high and then so you realistically you can't even hunt that buck until the last 30 minutes of daylight until the thermals start dropping you know so that's why like a buck who 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 beds and then travels downhill at night is very difficult to kill because you can't you just can't get in there because the thermals are rising yeah. So, but if you're doing it on the ground where you just like slip in there last minute, you know, basically wait till later in the day, later in the evening, kind of slip in there and set up in the bottom on his entry and exit trail to the food source or whatever, you know, I think, you know, you're, you don't have to stand, you don't have to do any of the setup, whole spiel, you just walk right in there and here he comes, you know, hopefully here he comes down the hill to you. Yeah, so I talked to Heath Cisco about this, um, not in the podcast we did, this was just a phone call to him. Mm-hmm. It was actually one of my biggest takeaways. And he was saying, um, you know, I was kind of just setting them up for scenarios and stuff like that. And he was saying, you know, in, in, in the big hill country, you know, that he said, being in your stand at, at say two, three o'clock, you know, early. Yeah. you you think you're doing good. Right. He goes, sometimes he, he has found where, and, and this has worked with pre-hung stands or, or, you know, we discussed, you know, almost better off to hunt on the ground. But, like, if you're in an area and the killing point is, oh, you're almost better off to hold up, say, 200-ish yards away from the kill area. You know, knowing that buck's somewhere on one of these bluff points in, in, in the hills. And then once that that, that sun drops below and the, the whole hillside is shaded, he said literally running to a stand. Obviously, he's got a pre-hung stand. But yeah. he said, you know, for me, I could either try and get up the tree real quick or just stay on the ground because a lot of times those deer will come off them bluffs, your bluffs, hills, tops, and they're almost having a false sense of security where, like, they think they've laid there all day and they're a little bit cocky that they know everything that's going on in this this uh, bowl ridge hill system, you know, and you could actually probably, like, kill one and if you can pull the shot off, obviously, and he, he shows up. But it was a very yeah. big takeaway of mine. Yeah, if they've been sitting there smelling those thermals all day long, you know, they're they're pretty like you said, they're they gotta be pretty confident that yeah. nothing nothing's down there. They've been sitting there smelling that whole bottom the whole day with the thermals rising. Yeah, but like they, me they, as you yeah, know they'll right down, I'm sure. Right, but like me, like, you know, as far as like your work, your 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 sports you've grown up with, like you're always trying to be like early to meetings, early to practice, you know. Yeah. Better be in your stand early in the morning, you know, to beat the deer coming there. I never thought about in the evening. Maybe it's not necessarily the the best to, to be there, you know, hours beforehand. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Especially um well, the problem with in in like say like hill country, we wanna say here in Ohio, a lot of the hill country stuff is, um, it's, it's a lot of it's like open mature timber stuff. They can see. So, yeah. so you see, so it's, 
when it's dry, man, like I swear each step you take, like some can hear it like 2000 yards away. You know? <laughs> it's so loud. I'm just like, sometimes, you know, we're just like, there's no way. Like sometimes I feel like ground hunting's like not even an option. Oh, definitely it's like not an option. Way too loud. Yeah, it's crazy. But maybe it's not as loud as, as you feel. You know, you might just think it's loud. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It, when them leaves are really crunching, though, I'm like, screw this. I don't, I don't stand a chance. It, it, we we should literally, on, on one of those days, stay, like, hey, I'll walk up here 100 yards, and I want you to walk back and forth and see if I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. You, you know, I know we can do the whole um, – do you, you ever try to, to walk like a deer, I guess? I was going to bring that up. I have – dude, the only time I've ever tried anything out of the wall from walking – because I was, remember, I was listening, I think, to Wired to Hunt, and uh, the guy said, you know, sometimes he would run to a tree stand to kind of sound like deer chasing. Mm-hmm. Dude, I ran to a tree stand on my private farm. Um, <laughs> I was hunting out there, and uh, I climbed up in the stand. I could see a deer from the tree stand. <laughs> it was just chilling there looking at you? No, no, no. It wasn't looking at me. It was just, like, browsing. It was probably laying there probably within 60, 70 yards. It wasn't, like, I could see this deer about 60 to 60 ish yards. Yeah. Uh, but I climbed up, I hung my bow up and I'm like, wait, is that a deer pulled up by nose? Yeah. There's a deer right here. And it just browsed around me a little bit. I ran probably about 40 yards and there were some squirrels in the area too. When I was yeah. walking in, I saw two fox squirrels. So maybe yeah. I just thought I was a fox squirrel. Like I didn't sound like a human. Yeah, exactly. I guess you probably don't realize how, how, when you just walk in normally you know as a human like it's probably a pretty distinct sound to deer you know just crunch 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 you know it's like it's they probably pick it up you know easily like i'll be a person coming you yeah know, but if you like do like some i don't know pitter patter and i guess you know when you're walking just like you know maybe i don't know i feel or like you look st- I, think you should, <laughs> I think if you stop like that's a that's a huge factor, and, and maybe while like when I still hunt, maybe that's why I'm coming across some of these deer. Is like, you know, when a deer walks, like it it'll walk ten yards, sometimes stop, nibble, browse, look, and it'll sometimes continue then for thirty, fifty yards, but it'll stop. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and bucks, you know, especially sometimes will will walk a little bit, stop, look around, like they're just never it. It seems like, you know, especially outside of the rut, bucks are never really in a hurry to get somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, they don't move very fast at all. Now, cruising or, like, on a trail, like, nose to the ground, sometimes they just want to, like, they're just blasting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll try try some more of that, too, this year. Some of the old, um, like I said, kind of just more of a pitter-patter walk, you know. I heard someone say something about heel-toe. Is that a bad thing to do? Like, I, would, I, would, I don't, I don't know, because does that sound like you know, like you like about a deer? It's got two right feet essentially and two left feet, so heel toe. So there's your right, right, left, left. I, I don't know, man. No, but that, but you can't just like tap your heel and tap your toe. Like you gotta like, it's like at that point you're making it more human like. You know, it's like a, like an elongated. I was just saying crunch. what I heard on a podcast. Now, whoever <laughs> is the Indian walker of the woods, leave a comment. And let us know how to walk like a squirrel or walk like a deer. We need, we need. I'll be trying. I'll be out there this year. Yeah, I'll be out there prancing around like Rudolph. 
and oh. just trying to just tiptoe through. <laughs> I've heard, I think I heard, this has been a while ago, like early podcast years, a dude would carry a stick because he would like use some sort of like his, his two feet in a stick and he would walk like a deer. I swear to God, it was wired to hunt that, you know, if you think about podcast yeah. five years ago, there was only three. So, so, and, and, and that it had to be wired to hunt. I have no idea how to do it. So, so it, I pray somebody leaves us a comment or shoots a video and puts it in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Man, imagine if you're like sitting in a tree stand and some guys coming by on public doing that shit. You'd be like, what is this guy doing? You would say something to him like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> you tried to get us beat up there one time. Well, because that dude was thinking stomping at nine in the morning on October 20-something. Yeah. You're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going home. <laughs> it's just like when I asked that dude from the film this year what he was doing leaving the woods at like 20 minutes with – dude, we had a fresh scrape, edge of a thicket, mile from the parking lot – and this dude leaves the woods like 30 minutes before closing time. And I'm, I'm listening to deer blow as he walks away. But I was like, did you shoot one? Yeah, exactly. What What's the reasoning here? Dude, we, have, we run into so many people like that on public land, man. I think people, people just treat public like it's like, you know, like they don't give a crap about it, you know. So it's like just whatever, stomp around, you know. And then you got some people who are out there trying to take it serious. And it's just, yeah, sometimes it gets frustrating, but it is what it is, you know. That's just public land. Well, I live pretty close to a piece, Dave. And, and like, so I see a lot of parking lot action. I uh, um, I can walk dogs oh, near this piece of public and drive by it a lot of times, like, at closing time. You would not believe the amount of people I see walking to their vehicles with a solid 30 to 20 minutes of daylight left. And I'm like, this is when the deer move. What are you doing back yeah. at your vehicle? That's like what you waited the whole day for is like that last like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't make, but yeah, we see it all the time. Yeah. And if we're, if we're going to start hunting on the ground, you know, now we're going to be that guy. <laughs> people are going to be yelling at us. Cause you know, we're going to end up stumbling across people if oh, we're, if we're hunting more on the ground. hundred percent. Yeah. That's a given. I've done it. I've definitely ruined some people's hunts, you know, a time or two. And, you know, I feel bad and I'm always like, Oh man, I'm sorry. You know, Oh yeah. But, yeah. And I'll kind of just wave. Sometimes I'll just wave and keep my distance if I see him, you know? Yeah. If I it's, see him. Yeah. It's, it's very weird, dude. Uh, I, I should speak about this. Uh, two, two things here. Let's we're at 42 minutes. So let's, let's, let's talk about two things real quick. One, I walked across my first fawn like encounter on the ground um, while putting up trail cams. That was, you know, I actually had a lot of mixed feelings about it because I uh, I almost felt bad. Like it was a very cool thing to look over at like six yards and see a fawn and like okay I pulled out my phone I snapped a video and a f couple photos, but it was like dude like I felt bad that like I probably bumped its mom off and now it's gone for say thirty minutes. Yeah, and I think I've I think I've heard people say like that you screw that you screw up like I guess like the they, some people say the mom like won't come back. Or something. I've heard yeah, that before. I've heard that if you touch them, like she won't accept them. I I don't know if there's truth to that. Yeah, I, I, know, I would that sounds touch a little far fetched, but you, you know, or the farm will just go with someone with some other doe. I mean, does get hit on the road all the time, and you know, 
leave fawns. You think those fawns just instantly death? They yeah. just don't make it? Yeah. I think they probably go shack up with some other family, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I laid a trail cam in this area, um, so I think it would be kind of cool to hopefully check this cam and see see a mom and a single fawn. And, dude, there might have been another fawn right with me, but I was, I was you know, it, it was – like I said, I'm, I'm glad it happened. I'm not obviously like thrilled about it. The other thing I wanted to bring up before we wrap this podcast off is uh, anybody who is a member of the hunting beast, I will miss you dearly. It has been a, a pleasure being on there and exchanging deer hunting thoughts, tactics, and, and uh, I have been booted from the hunting beast um, probably due to my affiliation with one custom gear. Um, so, so my, my 10 to 12 years of hunting public experience and, you know, showing what I've learned with, with our outlet now, I, I am no longer welcome there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, we'll keep it PG, but um, yeah. yeah. But, but yet I was, I was message, messaging a, an admin, oh, an hour before, because, you know, they took down a video. And I, I get it, you know, if, if the link will wasn't appropriate for site rules regs that's fine and we had a great cordial messaging i think the guy's name was bill and uh but then like two hours later i log in and i'm like booted from the website or booted from the forum like okay now now this is like middle school girl drama where like tammy talked to barbara and and you know stephanie doesn't like tammy now you know it's like really yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> Just because because of the affiliation, and it was because yeah. the thumbnail. That's why the video didn't didn't get approved because of the thumbnail. Yeah. So uh, I guess looking, uh, we we just dropped a video on our YouTube as far as um, oh some some public land gear or mobile hunting gear items, top five you know that I did a review on, and just kind of some some that video is super well received. A lot of people are like oh like they love the gear ties. Yeah, uh, people are like, "Oh, I didn't know you should you could use them as a, a bow rope, or then add them to a backpack, or tie a tie a, a branch out of your way with them." Uh, that's that seems to be the biggest takeaway from a lot of people watching that video. I do have another video coming to YouTube, hopefully this week. It's actually out there; it's just private. But um, I rate the top public land Midwest uh, podcasts for for public land hunters. Um, we are not in the top five, Dave. We're too new to the game. Well, what's the best? I know. But that <laughs> video should be out. I actually do like a, a couple other podcasts. I don't think people will listen to some newer podcasts. And then I give a top five. And I give some criteria because, you know, I think to be in a top five, you, you got to bring the noise. So look for that coming out on YouTube. All right. You going by, you about to shut her down here? Yep. We're going to shut her down. Dave, any final thoughts? No, uh, not really. I know the gear, the gear ties thing you just touched on. I mean, I use those things for a lot too. Hell, Andy um, held his stabilizer on with one of those. It might have been the same day he shot his buck. It was the same day he shot his buck. Yeah, because he has a, he had that Stokerized stabilizer with the with the whole back bar, the whole kit, you know, and shit. Yeah, and um, it like what would always come loose on him. He could not get that thing to stay tight for for nothing. Yeah. And uh, it came loose on him that morning. And I think he just like gear tied it to his riser to keep it snug and shot his buck with it like that. Yeah, dude, that dude had a debacle that day and killed a giant. Yeah. He, um, 
and the tree he hung had like a like some green briar like right at the base of it you know if you've ever like hung a stand and there's like green briar or like honeysuckle or some shit at the base of the tree it is a nightmare you, you, you know, know who has never never done that the nader sweater guys Oh no! Yeah, no way. Not with all, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. three thousand ropes at the bottom. There is no way they've ever hunted a bedding thicket like in a headlamp in the dark. Yeah, yeah, no way. It'd be it'd be tough. Yeah. And it, just just to save a few pounds, it just that just goes right back to my rant. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, but, just carry an extra stick. Like, seriously, you can't just carry an extra two pounds. Like, <laughs> like what the hell? Like yeah. you're doing all this jungle gym shit when you could just take one extra stick with you. It just I don't. I'm not. I'm not out there trying to climb my tree and, and be the American Ninja Warrior. You know, I'm just trying to just put a stick on a tree and step on it. <laughs> All right, Dave. I think I'm gonna push. Uh, stop. Record here, uh, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, check out some of the YouTube videos we got coming out. Um, so, so appreciate everyone who's who's pushed like and subscribe. Oh, we did get some hats in, and we may be doing some sort of giveaway. Look at our social media soon for some giveaway on a hat. We may look to 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 do some sort of got to do a like share something like that all right team harder and bucks we're out see ya